Dear God, I thank you for each person here. Lord, we are grateful for the opportunity to gather and to worship. Lord, we're grateful for holidays that point our thinking in a positive direction, that remind us to be grateful for our mothers, these women who have invested so much into us. Lord, I just pray that you would bless and encourage um, women who step into these roles, whether it's a, a biological mother, whether it's a foster mom, whether it's a youth sponsor, whether it's just kind of pouring into a neighbor kid. Lord, we thank you for these women who, who invest in the next generation, and we ask for your blessing on their lives. Lord, we do lift up those for whom Mother's Day is a challenge. Maybe mom died. Maybe there's a woman here who wants to be a mom, but it hasn't worked out for her. Um, maybe there's, there's real abuse or trauma in a history with their mom. And so a day like today where most people kind of glow about their moms, it's a painful day. And so we just pray for your Holy Spirit to comfort and encourage and come along, alongside those for whom today is a challenge. And Lord, I just uh, I pray your Spirit would work among us and that you would help us to be the people that you want us to be and to pour into that next generation and help them to thrive and to flourish and to become all that you desire for their life. We ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. So in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, so in this particular chapter, God gives 10 you know, big rules for life. And one of the ones that makes the top 10 list, there's certainly a lot more than these 10 commands in Scripture, is Exodus 20, verse 12, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And so this holiday is a great expression of honoring mom um, in particular for her important and crucial and impactful role that she has on us. My mom, I'm very fortunate, she loves the Lord, she poured into me uh, my entire life, and she is an incredible blessing to me. Now, it is important for you to remember, you moms, that you really do have a profound influence. Sometimes it feels like all the influence at certain stages is with the friends. Sometimes it feels like it's with the media, but parents have an incredible amount of influence and impact on your children. And so I encourage you to ask yourself this question, what is your bottom line goal with your kids? What is your bottom line, most important goal with your kids? And I know we want a lot of different things for our children. We want them to thrive. We want them to flourish. But what does that look like? At the heart of that, what is that? I like the metaphor or the picture of gardening or farming when it comes to parenting. I think the idea of a mom planting seeds is a powerful picture of what you're doing. There's this divine partnership, this profound partnership with God himself where you plant certain seeds and God partners with you and makes them grow in your child's life. It really is quite beautiful. And so I want to talk about two seeds today. The first is we are to plant the seeds of love. And this is crucial. I think most women do this naturally when they become mothers. Uh, Ed Young, in his book, The Ten Commandments of Parenting, says, family is the garden where love grows and bears its fruit. And so I want to encourage you moms, and like I said, most do this naturally, to plant seeds of love in your children. 
I think of my mom, and, you know, I learned from her that I mattered. Um, You know, to the government, we're just statistics or taxpayer money. Uh, To businesses, we are customers. But to our moms, the way it's set up is, is we matter. We've really been enjoying watching our only daughter and her husband uh, with their new baby, uh, Rena, which, you know, she came, uh, she was delivered January. And so it's been fun, but she just, you know, just to watch her and that connection she has with her mother, it's profound. I'm kind of fascinated, like, what's going on in that baby's brain? And, and my wife, the therapist who loves to study the brain stuff, is like, not a lot, really, you know, pretty, pretty focused on, you know, just connect with mom, connect with mom, and then, of course, dad, and then uh, there's an argument among us on who's third, um, but, you know, we won't get into that, but, um, you know, there's this profound connection with mom, and this baby, every child is, in essence, asking, am I loved? Am I wanted? Am I seen? Are you going to care for my needs? Are you going to hear me? Are you going to come when I cry? And so uh, we want, as as parents and mothers in particular, to plant seeds of love. I appreciate Gary Chapman, the author, who talks about love languages. I think that gives a little bit of guidance on how do you pour love into a child because um, his concept is this, that that if you have certain languages of love that really speak to you, and the five he lists are verbal affirmation, receiving gifts, acts of service, touch, and quality time. And if you don't speak your child's primary love language uh, or don't speak it well, you tend to miss your child. And so try to learn, like, is your child really... um, really appreciates gifts or verbal affirmation. You know, stop and try to, to, as the child grows, try to learn that. Now, try to speak all those languages, but they'll have a favorite or two. And so, you know, your words, the scripture tells us, um, are life or their death. Um, moms, dads need to really watch what we say. It's, it's easy when we get frustrated, we're tired, to say things that um, unfortunately, are very memorable because they're painful. And so you want to speak words of life, verbal affirmation, receiving gifts. I mean, God does this with us. You know, we're told all good gifts come from God. He gives us gift after gift. I mean, the weather and so many beautiful things he gives us. Um, you know, Alaska, it's, it's amazing. Um, acts of service. I mean, Jesus came and, and served and so when we serve, you know, when, when you take care of that baby's diaper, when you feed the child, when you, whatever it might be, acts of service, touch, you know, touch can be profound. To hug a child, to hold a child's hand, to just kind of, you know, rub their head. Um, and you just, you see a, a real power in human touch, Sometimes moms in particular get frustrated with little boys if they didn't have brothers growing up because little boys have often a lot of energy, don't always listen, and, you know, sometimes we're like, how do they make it to adulthood? Because, you know, the, the thinking can be like, I'll just jump right off of this and see if it works. And, and, uh, and, and sometimes it helps just to touch your son when you need to talk to him, when he really needs to hear you. And so touch can be powerful. Quality time is huge. 
you know, whether it's a board game, going on a walk, going hunting with a child, whatever it might be, and I will tell you, and this is a frustrating bit, but it's true, is that quality time is buried in quantity time. Because you never know when you're going to have that golden moment, that moment of connection, that moment where they share something. I found that you know, when, you're, when you're driving kids around, often they will share something in that time. Really listen to them. And so um, planting seeds of love is powerful. It, love is about wanting this other person, this little person, to flourish When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment in the law, in essence, you could sum up his answer with the word love. Love God with all that you are and love your neighbor. And so, you know, there's no closer neighbor than your own flesh and blood, than your own child that's in your home. And a mother's love is even a picture of God's love. Now, he's called father. That's a a great title. I don't I I wouldn't call God mother, but there is an image of a mother's love, and it kind of points to how God does love us. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus talks about Jerusalem, the capital of God's chosen people, and he talks about how, how so often he would like, God would like to be like a mother hen and, and bring the little chicks in and cover and protect. And so, A mother's love is one of the faces, one of the pictures of how God loves us so deeply and passionately, and how he loves us in some ways is beyond comprehension. We just celebrated communion time, which is this incredible, uh, simple, but profound picture of God's love for us, where the juice represents the blood that was spilled, the body is represented by the bread that was offered on the, the cross, that body that was offered on the cross. And so we want to plant seeds of love into children. And moms do this amazingly well. I'm always amused that big, huge football player guys, you know, professional NFL players, if you put a camera on them and, you know, what's their, their big opportunity, often you see, hi, mom, you know, and I, I kind of lean back and go, where's the hi, dad? What, what's going on with that? Dad probably went to a lot of games too. Dad probably taught him how to tackle or different things. But moms just plant that that seed of love and it is a powerful, incredible connection. I was reading about a 10-year-old Jordan and Jordan was out on his skateboard and his mom was in the, in the house and the, the windows were open. So she hears this blood-curdling scream. And she goes running out there, and out there in the cul-de-sac, he has had a a pretty major accident on his skateboard, and he has broken his femur, which is like, you know, the big bone. And so he has to go to the hospital, he's going to have to have surgery, and that first night, he's in a lot of pain, even with the pain meds. And at different times, Jordan, this 10-year-old boy, would cry out for his mother, and she'd say, I'm right here. And, And she said, do you need something? And he says, no, I just wanted to know that you're here. There is power in those seeds of love, the gift of your presence in the life of a child. I think of, you know, Anne just talked about Mary. You know, most of the apostles abandon Jesus. And at the cross, the only apostle that I think is mentioned, I mean, Peter's just denied him, the others have run and deserted him, um, is John, and he's there with who? With Mary. Mary's watching that. She's there. She's not going to go away. And so that seeds of love, that is an incredible gift that moms give to their children. 
And you just watch God grow that in their lives as they learn how to do that. You know, just this week I saw a picture of Chris Goff, who's active in this church, and she was named Caretaker of the Year, which I thought was pretty cool. And uh, that was a, uh, you know, they were celebrating her caretaking. And that, that love, you know, we learn those kinds of things from our mothers usually. And so that's really important to get that. Um, a mother's love is a special and amazing thing. Dr. Laura, this Jewish writer that I like to read, talks about family and relationships a lot. And she talked about when she didn't have, she and her husband didn't have children yet. And there was this ethical exercise that um, was popular. I remember they did it with us in, I think, junior high. And I always hated it. I thought it was terrible. The idea was the ship is going down and you have to decide, you know, the lifeboat can take six people and there's 15 of you. And they describe the 15 and you have to decide who's going to be in the lifeboat. And I just think it's a terrible exercise, but they had, you, had us do this. Well, she was talking about this with her husband. And she said, well, if there's only three of us and the lifeboat can only fit two, you, me, and the baby that's coming, she said, what would we do? And he's like, that is a stupid exercise. We are not doing this. And she goes, no, we, we would get rid of the baby because we could have another child is what she said. You know, she's not a mom yet. And later, when she had the child and she was bonding with the child, she comes back to her husband and she said, she said, honey, I got to ask, how, how long can you dog paddle? <laughs> because it, it grabbed her. A mother's love is a powerful and profound thing. And so Elizabeth Stone once said, making the decision to have a child is momentous. It is to decide forever to have your heart go walking around outside your body. It is an incredible thing to be honored with the privilege of having a child. And so it is absolutely crucial that mothers and fathers plant those seeds of love. Now, the next seed I want to talk about is the seeds of truth. And I think moms do this. I don't think it's quite as natural as the seeds of love. Um, we live in a culture that has lots thrown at us all the time. Dave Stone, author, he says we're bombarded with about a thousand ads a day between radio and internet and television and all that kind of stuff. Um, according to John MacArthur in one of his books, he says that the average American child watches at least 28 hours of television each week. Now that's a little terrifying. You think about the indoctrination. You think about the messaging that comes with that much television. And the reality is, you know, like with kids, we might have the kids here at church an hour and a half a week. So think about that. So please don't ever view the church as the spiritual maturing agent Parents are the ones planting the seeds of truth, and church comes alongside and supplements and helps. This is your responsibility. This is your calling. And so when we live 24-7 in a culture that promotes a morality based and driven by emotion rather than truth, we have to make sure that the parent, that the mother, the father is planting those seeds of truth so that can grow. 
In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's um, teaching. I have been very blessed to have a mom that believes the Bible and sowed the Bible into me. I think she took seriously Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. I know many mothers in this congregation take this very seriously. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when uh, you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. I think that as we study the scripture, we see Daniel and Esther and others who live in a culture of compromise a time of exile. And I think we live in that kind of time. And so we need to be people who are planting the seeds of truth in the next generation. Do not try to outsource this to anybody else, not even the church. Mom and dad are on the front lines of this. This is absolutely crucial. Now, I think it helps if you don't just give children the commands of God, but you give them the why behind it, that you dig into it a little bit. Um, Stop and think about like one of the commands is don't bear false witness. Don't lie, okay? Well, you dig into that and you go, well, what's the principle behind that? Well, the principle behind that is that truth matters. Honesty matters. Who wants to be a close friend or married to or have as an employee someone to whom truth doesn't matter? someone who's dishonest, someone who lies to you. You don't want that. That destroys your reputation. It will destroy your marriage. It will destroy any relationship that you have if you're a person who is known for lying. And then you can dig deeper. So the principle is truth matters. And you can go, you know, in the very character of God, we are told that God cannot lie. We are told that God is truth, that he is holy. That at the very essence of what truth is, is the very character of God. As a matter of fact, um, if you walked in in the middle aisle here, you walked under a scripture, a quote from Jesus, where he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so at the heart of truth is the person of Jesus Christ. But we also were given this remarkable book, the Bible, which is full of propositional truth. And I believe that the Bible is inerrant, infallible, it is without error, it is God's truth, written form for us to study and to put into our hearts and to memorize and to learn and to live. And so, as a mother, as a father, plant the seeds of truth in the next generation, We see, even in a time where women weren't given as much formal teaching when it came to the Word of God, we see Mary, the mother of Jesus, in uh, Luke, in what's called Mary's Song, in Luke chapter 2. It's only 10 verses long, and yet there's about 30 phrases or words or allusions to the Old Testament. And so this little psalm um, or, or song that Mary says is just, it bleeds Bible, It just oozes the truth of God. Mary was that kind of person, which is, I'm sure, one of the reasons why God picked her to have that kind of influence um, in this remarkable mystery that is the incarnation where Jesus is fully divine and fully human in one person, one entity. And so Jesus, he was affected by Mary 
who, you know, oozed scripture. And I'm sure Joseph did as well. We just don't see him later, like at the cross, we see Mary. So many think Joseph died at some point in his teen years. And so I just, I would just say, I mean, my father was a minister, and yet I would still say that I learned most biblical truth or more biblical truth from my mother, just because she put in more time. She was a stay-at-home mom, and she spent more time with us. And, and so um, moms take seriously this role of planting the seeds of truth into the next generation. Help them to memorize Scripture when something comes on the radio or television, if you're watching that, process it with them using Scripture. Think through it. We live in an era that's beautiful in many ways in the sense that um, not everybody's a big reader. And so we live in an era where um, we have you know, DVDs that are the dramatized Gospels. And so it's word for word, um, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you can watch it, act it out. Have the book of Acts as well. That's something we can loan to you. Um, you can get Bible, audio Bible. And so if you're not a big reader, you can listen to the word of God. Sow the seeds of truth into the next generation. It's one of the things that makes um, camp effective. Is they go out to Camp Lyla or some other Bible camp. And they have to kind of ditch the electronics. They step away from the media. And they're, um, they have time alone with God. They have time where, where counselors who invest in them and teach them biblical truth. It's profound. But it has to be done first and foremost in the home. And mother is the front line of that. Now, one of the things we also did in our home and still do is, you know, we want to face the truth. We want to have those seeds of truth. We have something that my wife came up with, and it's called an exit interview. And so we're four kids into it. We only have one left. And the idea is that when they leave our home, so when we drop them off at college or if they went to trade school or if they go get their first apartment, you take them out, we take them out to a nice meal, and we have a series of questions. We ask them, what's it like to grow up in our home? What did you learn about marriage? What did you learn about God? What did you learn? And we just ask these questions. Is there anything we need to deal with? Is there any unresolved anger at us? And we, and we have, you know, kind of this moment where we face the truth. And it's been a very positive experience, except for Tony who brought a lawyer. But other than that, it went really well. I'm kidding. The truth matters. One of my favorite studies that was done, these New York sociologists studied two families. Beginning in the 18th century all the way through the 20th century, they traced these descendants over 200 years. They looked at 1,200 descendants. Um, one guy is named Max Jukes. He was an atheist. He was married to his wife who was an agnostic. And they studied their 1,200 descendants and how their lives turned out. These people who did not embrace the truth of God's word. Um, out of the 1,200 descendants, 310 were paupers or vagrants. 440 lived in outright debauchery. 190 were prostitutes. 130 were convicted as criminals. About 100 were alcoholics. Obviously, there's overlap on some of these numbers. Um, about 100 had reputations of being habitual thieves. 55 suffered sexually transmitted diseases. Seven were convicted of murder, being murderers. Now, contemporary, the other side, the other family they looked at were the family of the pastor, Jonathan Edwards. He was a pastor and a missionary. He and his wife 
tried to pass on a godly heritage to their children. Out of their descendants, more than 300 were pastors or missionaries or theologians. About 120 were lawyers, 60 were physicians, 60 were authors of books that helped people, 30 were judges, 14 were university presidents, Uh, many were businessmen that did did well and were helpful to their communities, three were members of Congress, because every family has its struggles in black sheep, right? And... um, but the impact of these two families, if you looked on the community, if you looked at what they did, it was profoundly different because the truth matters. And so moms, you are to pour in, you are to plant seeds of truth and you just, you just drop it in and you don't give it all at once. I appreciate Corey Ten Boom talked about talking to her parents. It happened to be her dad at the time. And she asked a question. She was a little girl. She asked a question about sexuality. And um, it was interesting. They were traveling. And he said, you know, honey, he goes, he had a big, heavy suitcase. And she asked this question. And he said, I tell you what, I am going to answer this question. But I'm not going to answer it yet. He goes, I want you to try to pick up my bag. And she tried, and she couldn't pick it up. And he said, the answer to that question is a little heavier than you're ready for at this moment. But I will answer it eventually. And he did. And so having that wisdom to plant truth into our children's lives, age-appropriate truth, not just bowing and trusting school districts or others or television shows or TV shows, to plant some version that's labeled truth that may or may not be true, but to control that, to be the person, the primary one that puts seeds of truth in your child's life. That's the call of a mother. It's the call of a father. Moms, you matter in this. Now, parents, we're not going to do all this perfectly. We're going to make mistakes Um, but it is important that you plant seeds of love and seeds of truth. One of my mom's favorite verses is 3 John verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Now, I think the author is talking about people he led to Christ and invested in. He's looking at them as his spiritual children. But my mom and others have grabbed it and applied it to their physical children. And I think that's fair too. Because how can you be a greater mentor to anyone else than your own children? That child you have from birth to whenever they leave your home. And you continue to have an influence afterwards. And so the big idea this morning, moms, is moms keep planting seeds. You will see a harvest in your children, an eternal legacy. Let me pray for you. Dear God, we want to have an eternal legacy. We want to see children grow up to thrive and to flourish uh, in every area of life, but particularly spiritually. We want them to know Christ. We want them to be whole. We want them to have that relationship with their creator. We want them to be people we will see in heaven. We want to have that eternal relationship with them. Lord, help us to be about the main thing. 
So many peripheral issues are, are maybe helpful to a child. Help us to be about the main thing, to plant love and truth, to enter into that beautiful partnership with you where we do our part and you do your part. Only you can make it grow. We ask for your help in this holy calling. Lord, I pray that you bless, guide, and give wisdom to every woman here who is sowing into the next generation. This is our request. This is our prayer in the powerful name above all names, Jesus Christ. Amen.